Oh, good to be here this morning. We're going to continue on in our series, A Better Life, today talking about health. So if you would, stand, stand with me. We'll read one piece of uh, scripture here from 1 Timothy 4. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. You can count on this. Take it to heart. This is why we've thrown ourselves into this venture so totally. We're banking on the living God Savior of all men and women, especially believers. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your word and the power that's in it. We thank you for your forgiveness, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Teach us this morning, God. May we uh, grow more like you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, you can be seated. Well, I've been in uh, healthcare now for 26 years, been interested in health, fitness for many years. I think maybe Hans and Franz had something to do with, with that. I don't know. Here to pump you up. Um, I don't know, always been fascinated by, by health by anatomy. Uh, When I studied gross anatomy, it was one of the the biggest faith builders for me. Uh, I won't dive into that uh, right now, but just to to see the different systems in place and God's design and and anatomy and all the systems that function together are just fascinating. The design is just beautiful. So uh, my brother got me into exercising at a young age. He's two years older than me, Pete. I call him, he's, he's a stud. He, uh, he works out a lot harder than I do, uh, but still, he's 48, I'm 46, and we still will send each other selfies of us posing and flexing to this day. <laughs> I don't know why I try, because de- he, he, yeah, he, 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 it's evident he works out harder than I do. But uh, anyway, uh, Pastor Ronnie mentioned, uh, I don't know, a few weeks back, about special seasons. And we go through some special seasons that are fun, good Joyful seasons like having a baby, uh, buying a house, getting married. And then there's also some special seasons that are a little more painful, challenging, but they're still special because, you know, God's doing something in those moments, in those seasons. Uh, So here I am to talk to you today about health, and this has been the unhealthiest year of my life. Yeah. So I want to share with you kind of what I've been going through over the last several months and what God has been teaching me, and I hope uh, some of it uh, you can apply to your lives today. Started a few months ago in March. I was at a continuing education course in Cool Springs, physical therapy thing, sitting in class. Felt great. Half an hour into it. Boom! I got hit with lightheadedness like crazy. Thought I was going to pass out. Really scared me. Everything, I was lightheaded for a long time. I went outside, tried to jog it off. I don't know if I should have done that, but I tried. Uh, ate something, laid down, but it, I was lightheaded. It was really rough. Thankfully, the teacher let me leave a little early. 
But driving then, from then on for a long time, and still having issues with it today, driving is an issue because I get lightheaded. Uh, I've had Nacelle Champion have to drive me around a lot of places. I've had to tell the kids, I'm sorry, kids, I can't take you here today. I'm just, I'm lightheaded. I can't drive. It's not safe. Had to pull over many times, bawl my eyes out, and say, Lord, what's going on? Uh, I got other weird symptoms along with it. One of the worst ones was early on trying to go to sleep. And as soon as I would nod off to go to sleep, you know, sometimes you get a little something. This was like a lightning bolt going through my body. <laughs> it would startle me. Adrenaline would pump, make it hard to go back to sleep. But then as soon as I started to fall asleep again, <laughs> this electric bolt going through me. Torturous, absolutely torturous, knowing I needed sleep to, to heal whatever was going on, but I couldn't sleep. Uh, I got other stuff, numbness and tingling in my arms and my face. One, I was at a patient's house in Christiana, and, it, and that stuff hit me. Longest drive. I drove from Christiana to St. Thomas to the ER, hoping I, I would make it. Uh, a friend of ours, we, some of us know Rodney Boyd. I called him up, and he met me there and prayed for me, made me laugh, uh, encouraged me quite a bit. Uh, it's like my nerves were super sensitive to everything. I couldn't watch TV with the kids, my wife. I'd have, it was like a, a dance show, one of these cool dance competition shows. And I'd feel this weirdness inside of me, this jittery stuff going on inside of me, and I'd have to say, sorry, guys, I have to leave the room. I've got to go outside. Saw the doctors, had CT scans, uh, heart monitor, echocardiogram, all of us looking fine. And after talking to my doctor and actually several people here and outside of the church, uh, the diagnosis was panic attacks. Wow. What? And uh, up until that point, whenever I heard about somebody having a panic attack, my mind would just go, well, just stop panicking. <laughs> Easy enough. Stop. Uh, little did I know. Something strange when the nerves get overloaded for one reason or another. There's a little thing in the brain called the amygdala that's your fear filter, and it just doesn't know how to uh, filter the fear right. I mean, it thinks like everything, a commercial on TV is a, lying, a lion chasing you, you know? Like, I, I shouldn't be feeling like this about this thing, but uh, it's been a rough few months. I'm thankful I can sleep all the way through the night now, and I have been for several weeks, months, actually. That has been a blessing and a half. I thank God so much now for, for sleep. <laughs> uh, what my issue then turned to be was now I started to worry and get fearful about another panic attack hit. And fear would grip me and scare the heck out of me. And Scripture says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I have said that Scripture over and over again for the last several months. But you know, and I had to say, well, if, if God did not give me a spirit of fear, why the heck do, why do I keep picking it up, and who has given it to me? I'd pick it up, and okay, I set it back down again, I'd pick it back up again. The devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy, and he certainly did that with me. 
I tend to think of myself as a pretty joyous kind of guy. And it was zapped. Zapped. He comes to steal, kill, bring you dis-ease. Wants to destroy your testimony and destroy your ministry. So let's talk a little bit. Let's talk about somebody else in Scripture that went through a very challenging time, fearful time. Uh, in uh, 1 Kings 18. Uh, sorry, I don't want to go there yet. Uh, this is talking about Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God, Jehovah. He was living in the time of uh, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And uh, Ahab and Jezebel worshipped and served the god Baal, Baal, the god of nature. Elijah, of course, served uh, our god Jehovah. Through Elijah, there was a, a drought, a very long drought. Baal didn't do anything about that, the god of nature. Uh, Jezebel and, and King Ahab did not think highly of Elijah. Came down to this showdown. And Elijah said, Baal, you, you, and I'm sorry, you, you're prophets of Baal. Baal had 450 prophets at this time. You guys come together and build an altar kill a bull and cut it up into pieces and put it on the altar, call out to your God Baal and have him send fire down from heaven. See how it goes. So they did that. 450 prophets of Baal, one Elijah. They're doing their thing, calling out to Baal. Elijah, full of faith. I mean, full of faith, saying, I don't think your God hears you. Whoo! Maybe he's journeying somewhere. Maybe he's asleep. They tried and tried, cried out, did some weird stuff to try to get Baal's attention. Didn't happen. Elijah says, my turn. He built a, uh, an altar, 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Cut up a bowl, put it on top. He said, I have three, four, four jugs. And there were, it wasn't just the prophets that were here witnessing this. There was a whole bunch of people watching, townspeople watching. He said, I need some help. I have four jugs. Let's fill them up with water and let's douse this altar with water. Let's just soak it. Let's do it three times. There was a trench around it filled up with water. And he said, now I'm going to call out to God. He prayed to God. He said, Lord God, I need you to show up because I want people's hearts changed. May the hearts of these people realize that you are the one and true God. Whoo! Did he show up? Kaboom! Fire comes down from heaven obliterates the altar. Stones are gone. Water licked up. <clears throat> the cat, that bull wasn't medium rare like I like to eat. <laughs> it was well done. God, God's style was gone. And people's lives were changed. The people that witnessed it said, this is the true God. After this, Elijah, through the power of God, Takes these, somehow seizes these 450 prophets of Baal and has them all killed by the sword. What a mighty show of God and His power in His hand. And we pick up the story here in 1 Kings 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a, message to, a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me 
be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Jezebel is saying, by this time tomorrow, Elijah, you're going to be dead. I'm after you. I'm going to kill you. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down there under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals. Other translations say cakes baked over hot coals. So this is the first sighting that we see of angel food cake in Scripture. (laughs) And a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The story continues on from there, but we'll stop there for for today's purposes. But Elijah felt alone. He was. He had legitimate reason, I think, to be like, what's going on? But he was gripped with fear. Gripped with fear. Ran out of hope all of a sudden. I asked you this today. Is, are some of you, you have that, are you gripped with fear? Are you been attacked by fear and it's overwhelming? Have you had those thoughts maybe even to say, God, I'm done. I've had talks with God, and I said, I didn't say I want to die, but I said, I do not want to live like this forever. This hurts, and I don't want to live like this forever. Please. Mm. Um, in the physical therapy world, we, uh, we attack pain and inflammation with this uh, acronym uh, called RICE. R-I-C-E. Stands for rest, ice, compress, and elevate. Rest, ice, compress, and elevate. Uh, So if your knee is swollen or your ankle's swollen, well, let's rest it. Let's get off of it. Let's ice it, take the pain down and inflammation down. Let's compress it, put an ace wrap or something, push the swelling back towards the body. Elevate it so swelling doesn't pull down there and gravity doesn't pull the swelling down. Elevate it so it comes back towards your body. So over these last few months, I've learned some stuff going through this stuff I've been going through that applies, and I've used the the acronym RICE for what I've been going through and how I can attack it, how I can fight the battle with with RICE. Who who would have thunk it? Fight your battle with RICE. So rest. Pastor Ronnie's speaking on rest next week, so I will scratch the surface barely on on rest. But I tell you what, in this uh, culture that we live in, we could stand to hear a little bit about rest a couple weeks in a row. Um, Elijah, we saw it. He, he needed sleep. He was physically exhausted. I have a, uh, uh, one of my teachers. He's a uh, uh, retired chaplain. Yeah. And he says Elijah was dealing with battle fatigue. He was fighting and fighting and fighting. He was exhausted and really needed physical physical sleep. Uh, We were going to call this originally uh, practical living, I think. Uh, 
So there's going to be some practical nuggets in here. But my angle I want to come at for rest anyways, briefly, is how we rest our mind and how we rest our brain during the day, not just at night at sleep. We need times of solitude. Please carve out time in your day for solitude, quiet time with God. Solitude is not, I'm going to rest and look at my phone. Now that's okay for its time, but you need to shut stuff off. Resting is not binge-watching some stuff on Netflix. Those are some great stuff out there. It's not shutting your brain off or letting your brain rest and spending time with God. I think we need that. What I've learned in this season is for me, I love the outdoors. And for me to get outside and have these David-type moments where he looked up into the heavens. looked up. I go out every night and look up and have these kind of moments where I say, when I consider your heavens the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. David's going, wow, your creation is magnificent. You're huge and I'm so tiny. And who am I that you are mindful of me that you care, but yet you do? Oh, take time in solitude to get away and just listen. Just listen or pray. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Oswald Chambers puts it this way, a private relationship of worshiping God is the greatest essential element of spiritual fitness. There's something about resting, solitude, resting in Him throughout the day, like uh, Justin spoke about, we can still rest in Him through our work. But taking this this private relationship of, of worshiping Him, and resting, that somehow we get stronger. When we rest, our spirit is strengthened. Uh, So we have rest, ice, compress, and elevate. So we'll hang out on ice here a little bit. Another way to say it is chill out. Ah, Anybody else need to chill out? Woo! I've gone to Philippians 4 many times. Uh, do not be anxious about anything. But I missed it until a few weeks ago. Pastor Ronnie says, back up a few verses, two verses. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. And there's not a whole lot in me, especially early on going through this, that I felt like rejoicing about. And I didn't. And that certainly didn't do me any favors. But like when you go to the gym and you're like, oh, I don't want to go to the gym, but you hit the gym and you go, oh, that felt good. I'm glad I went. <laughs> Most of the time. The same thing with rejoicing. I don't feel like rejoicing, but I had to stir up some rejoicing in my life and in my spirit. I am going to rejoice him. We're called to be thankful in all circumstances. This was a circumstance and I needed to be thankful in it and give him praise and give him glory. Uh, Pastor Barbie, we talked uh, when I was, these symptoms were first hitting me. Had some, uh, she had some good insight for me. And she, then later she sent me a, a text with a scripture. This scripture here it says, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. And then she tagged on there. She said, So laugh, my friend. Laugh. Again, hard to laugh when you're feeling pretty cruddy. 
I had to force myself to, to watch some funny stuff, to laugh with brothers and sisters. Uh, it, it does do good for your, for your soul, for your spirit. Um, I, created the, I, I created a fusion then between having fun and laughing about stuff and the scripture that says, take these thoughts captive, thoughts that attack you, the fear, anxiety, shame, guilt, whatever you can fill in the blank for yourself. Mine is mainly fear and anxiety. Uh, so I fused being funny with taking these thoughts captive. And I, I created the uh, homie the clown approach. I don't know if anybody remembers homie the clown. Homie, don't play that. That was from In Living Color in the 90s. If you missed it, you, you don't. I, I rewatched it since this kind of came into my mind, and you don't need to really go back and watch it. <laughs> Different times, yes, yeah. But it still kind of it still it still applies to me. Uh, so, homie, he's he was a clown, and he wouldn't he wasn't one you wanted to invite to your kids' get-togethers. He he approached the, he approached things a little bit <clears throat> differently. And a kid would say, "Homie, we we want you to." Uh, slip on a banana peel and fall. And, and he'd say, oh, so you want me to make a fool of myself, huh? He'd take out his big sock. <laughs> and, oh, and then say, homie, don't play that. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, I don't think so. Homie, don't play that. So I've created this fun uh, exercise in my life. Ah. <laughs> uh. When these thoughts of fear and anxiety come, uh-uh, because I tolerated them for a long time. And now I say, I don't tolerate you. You're not from God. Whap! This homie don't play that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Praise God. Mm. So rest, ice, Compress. Compress. Brad, you can tell me about that one later. I saw you. Uh, rest, ice, compress. So what are we surrounding ourselves with to push out these painful, inflammatory things that life, the devil, throws at us? There's several things uh, that I've experienced over the last few months. Of course, surround yourself with his word. Surround yourself with his word. There's life and healing in his word. Um, I read a book. My mom sent me this book. She heard about it. This author of this book was going through the same thing uh, that I was going, very similar things. He was having panic attacks. A Christian man, and uh, he has a, uh, some principles in there, and one of them really hit home for me. And maybe some of you all might be able to apply it in your lives. Very simple, very simple little uh, Discipline. And it's this scripture and prayer before phone. Scripture and prayer before phone. So every morning, my phone's on airplane mode or do not disturb until I spend time in his word and spend time on my knees praying to the Lord. And it has been such a beautiful thing for me to learn and to apply. Uh, and to grow through that. It's so easy to hit that phone and turn it on. That stuff can wait, can totally wait. 
Uh, compress yourself. What else, can, what else can we compress ourselves or surround ourselves with? With other believers, with other brothers and sisters. I am so thankful for my brothers and sisters that I have been able to be encouraged by brothers that have prayed for me over these months and sisters that have prayed for me. Um, Self-help is garbage. It is. We need each other. God created us for relationship. And we have to surround ourselves with each other. Be intentional about it. I know it's hard sometimes in a church to make connections, but be intentional. Hear me. Be intentional about, about making connections with people. Invite somebody to lunch. Invite somebody to your house. Invite somebody to coffee. We need people to connect with. Uh, in Dr. Cloud's book, Boundaries, he talks about an experiment that was done. Uh, and it was done with a poor, couple of poor, poor monkeys. One monkey was put in this environment with a lot of flashing lights and loud noises for an extended period of time. And then they checked his cortisol levels. Those are stress hormones. And they were through the roof. They did the experiment again. The only thing they changed is they put one other monkey into the cage with them. Same loud noises, same, same flashy lights. Cortisol levels, stress hormones, cut in half. So my question for you this morning, who's your monkey? <laughs> <laughs> Or who, <laughs> better yet, who's your tribe of monkeys? Yes. We need each other. Find people. I'm going to repeat it. I couldn't have done it without my brothers and sisters praying for me where I could talk and share and share my pain and my discouragement. Find some people to surround yourself with. What else can we compress or surround ourselves with? I found uh, music, praise music. For, I've been up here and doing this kind of thing for many years leading worship. But for a long time, I was just kind of, hmm, about music. I just rather listen to podcasts and stuff. But this season brought such a new desire and a love of worship music. And I tend, I tend to kind of go towards some of the old hymns. Uh, some of the stuff I started hearing when I was a kid or in my, in my 80s and 90s, uh, just find music that you can surround yourself with that lifts you up, that encourages you and speaks to your spirit. Uh, and also what can we surround ourselves with? The awareness of His presence. He is with us wherever we go. We can be strong and courageous because He is with us wherever we go, but so often we forget that He is with us wherever we go. He surrounds us, and we can cry out to him, Holy Spirit, I want more of your manifest presence in my life. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. I need more of you in my life. Surround yourself with the awareness of his presence. Uh, and then finally, elevate. Rest, ice, compress, and elevate. This is about prayer. Uh, speaking of old hymns, one of them puts it beautifully. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. 
All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. These last few months, this stuff I was been dealing with literally drove me to my knees. Tapping out. I can't do this. Drove me to my knees in prayer. And it got me to thinking, and, and it just seems to me that I encourage you to, to spend time in your day kneeling in prayer. We, we pray throughout the day. Pray without ceasing, of course. Pray while you're driving. Pray as you get up and as you go. But it seems like there is something that's special about taking time to kneel in prayer. There's something about changing our physical posture before the Lord that changes and shifts our spiritual posture before the Lord. There's something about changing our physical posture before Him that changes and shifts our spiritual posture before Him. I know not everybody can kneel. There might have ailments, that's all right, but you can still sit on the edge of your chair and go like this, God, I need you. I humbly bow before you now. I need you every hour I need you. When I think of Margaret Meek, the very first image that pops to my head, right there, kneeling in prayer and worship, understanding that physical posture as I I humbly bow. You are God and I am not. You are huge. What are you that you are mindful of me, but you care? And I need you, God. Talk to him in prayer, whatever it looks like. Spend time talking to him in prayer. He wants to hear. Elijah did. Even though he was saying, I want to be dead, he was still talking to him. He was still taking it to him. Continue to talk to him. He wants to hear from you and wants to be in relationship with you and wants to talk to you. So there we have it. Rest, ice, compress, and elevate. I hope some of that resonates with some of you all that you can apply it to your life.